grace and peace in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all and welcome to worship with Morrisville Presbyterian Church. Whether you are a longtime member or a first-time visitor, it is a joy to be able to worship with all of you this day. If you are here in the sanctuary with us this morning, I will invite you to find a red friendship folder in your pew and fill out the information within the pew pad. We are glad that you are here worshiping with us today, and it is helpful for us to know the information that you put in that folder. Beloved Church, on behalf of the Personnel Committee, I want to let you know that sadly, Diane Toner has resigned her position as Administrative Assistant for the Church, so that way she can dedicate herself fully to the care of her father. Her last official day will be this upcoming Friday, August 6th. Since a celebration and a send-off are not possible for Diane at this time, we will be collecting cards and a purse for her as we wish her well and express our gratitude for her many years of service among us. We would ask that you refrain from contacting Diane by phone or email at this time as the demands at home are quite overwhelming. If you have any questions, you are welcome to follow up with Patrick Gilbride or myself while Rachel is away on vacation. Cards can be sent to the church office with the attention Diane Toner, and we hope that you will join us as we thank Diane for six years of dedicated service among us. Beloved Church, it is a joy to be able to gather this morning, especially on Communion Sunday. We invite and remind folks who are worshiping at home, now would be a great time to get some bread somewhere in your kitchen and have it with you as we are uh, going to be having communion today, and we invite you to partake at home as well. What a privilege it is, beloved Church, to be a part of God's work in this world and especially today. So let us worship God together. Let us come before God and give thanks. Please rise as you are able and let us join responsively in our call to worship. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for the Lord is good. For God's steadfast love endures forever. God brought Israel out from among the Egyptians, for God's steadfast love endures forever. It is God who divided the Red Sea in two, and who made Israel pass through the midst of it, for God's steadfast love endures forever. It is God who remembered us in our low estate, rescued us from our foes, and gives food to all flesh. Oh, give thanks to God of heaven, for God's steadfast love endures forever. With praise and thanksgiving, let us worship God. Let us sing hymn number 65, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah.
please be seated. Our God guides us through our week. Our God guides us through our months, our years, and our lives towards a calling of greater hope and peace. So let us humbly walk beside our God this day as we confess our sins using the prayer of confession as it is listed in your bulletin, followed by a time for silent confession. Almighty God, in Jesus Christ, you called us to be a servant people, but we do not do what you command. We break our promises made to you. We are often noisy when we could be hearing your call. We are often silent when we could be useful. Have mercy on us, O God. Forgive us and free us from sin. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might be dead to sin and be alive to all that is good. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. Please rise as we join together in singing the Gloria Patri. Beloved church, as forgiven people, let us respond by giving the peace of Christ to one another the ways we have been doing these past couple of months, by sharing the peace of Christ through sign language. The peace of Christ be with you. Let us share the peace of Christ with one another. to invite any young friends all the way up here for a time for young disciples. Hello, Rory. Come on up. Come on up. Hi, Rory. Come on all the way up. Come have a seat near me. You can have a seat over there. All right. And hello to our young at heart friends in the pews and our young friends back at home. Hello, Rory Knox Thompson. It is great to see you. Yeah. Well, so one of the things, you might have heard me say this before, 
But one of the things I love to say is how much I love the Bible. And I love it so much that I actually brought one here today. Do you, does this look familiar? Yeah. yeah? Do you? We have a you do have a Bible. That's right. So I thought it'd be fun if we read the Bible story in a Bible. We have a Bible. That's, that's right. You have a Bible at home. So we're going to read the story here that everybody in the pews are going to hear in a little bit. And then that way you can go home and read it there too. All right. I have my my Bible here, and we're going to turn to the page that has the story about Moses. And here it's called Baby in a Basket. It's in Exodus 1 and 2, okay? So I'm going to read a little bit from this story here. The story says that a group of people who loved God lived in a land of Egypt. They were called Israelites, but a mean king named Pharaoh was their ruler. Do you see where Pharaoh is? You see him right there? Yeah, you can see him right there. Pharaoh did not like the Israelites a lot. He made them, that's right, he made them work extra hard. And one day he decided to get rid of the Israelite boys. But one mother heard about Pharaoh's plan. She wanted to save her baby boy. So she gently laid him inside a basket and placed him in the river. I know, you're almost there. Pharaoh's daughter saw the basket and peeked inside. I will keep you as my... You are a tiger. I will keep you as my own baby. I will call you Moses, she said. And Moses grew up in the palace. And one day, he did mighty miracles for God. And so I'm wondering if maybe you can go home and read that story again, too. Because it's, really, it's a really important story. But thank you for listening. So let us pray. Repeat after me. God, we thank you for Moses and all your people who do your work. Help us to love one another too. Amen. Well, it was great to be with you, Rory. Do you think you can go with Mr. Carpenter or back with your mom back to your pew for time for music? Okay. All right. As we prepare to hear the word of God read, let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and your Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. The words from the second chapter of Exodus, verses 1 through 10. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. 
And when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him for three months. She could not hide him no longer, so she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed him among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a birthday, and who doesn't like to celebrate the event with a party? Fun and games, right? I have a couple of birthday party jokes for you. Humor me. Where do kids get ice cream cakes on their birthday? At Sunday school. Did you hear about the birthday candle sale? It was a blowout. And what's the best way to remember your spouse's birthday? Forget it once. <laughs> Today's scripture passage is about the birth and early life of Moses. It wasn't much of a party. These ten verses in the second chapter of Exodus serve as a bridge from Pharaoh's genocidal edict that all Hebrew male babies must be killed to the event that prompts Moses to kill an Egyptian and to flee. We hear about Moses' parents, although they are not named here. We read of his Levite lineage, the previous chapter in Exodus showcased women who obstructed Pharaoh. This one does too, in that Moses' mother successfully, successfully hides her fine baby, and Pharaoh's daughter rescues him from the Nile and raises him as her own. 
There is Moses' sister, also not named here, who successfully connects Moses with his true mother, even, even arranging for her to be paid for nursing her own child. Often when we receive the word of a birth of a baby, there are some questions that we ask, some things we want to know. What's the baby's name? How much did she weigh? How long is he? We don't have that kind of information. We do not know when Moses was born, and it is doubtful that he knew much about his own birth either. Frederick Douglass, the great black orator and anti-abolitionist, was born an enslaved person in Maryland. He gave 1818 as the approximate year of his birth, but he also remarked that slaves knew as much about their birth as horses knew about theirs. Moses was born a slave a slave whose life was to be terminated. So while we have a fine, noble, and hopeful story of the survival of a great man, this story is embedded in a larger narrative of humiliation and oppression, but also one of salvation and restoration. There is a great story of the deliverance here with the birth of Moses. It is a story that goes by way of Egypt. It goes out on the Exodus, and even a journey that gives us pointers at the Lord's table that is set before us. Even if we had never heard of the story of Moses, if we didn't know anything about the Exodus or the Ten Commandments. The account read today in the Bible gives us plenty of information to say that this baby was destined for great things. Firstly, Bible scholars tell us that Moses' birth story has the same literary pattern as the legend of a Babylonian hero and king named Sargon. Legend has it that Sargon was rescued from the Euphrates River and went on to become the founder of a great city-state. Such comparison highlights Moses' humble origins as well as his royal destiny. Second, Moses is designated as being a member of a priestly family of the house of Levi. Levites had the honorable distinction of caring for the temple and the Hebrew religious symbols. It was a position that called for wisdom and discretion. A third observation is that Moses is sent adrift in a basket made of bulrushes. While our Bible translation calls this transport a basket. 
the Hebrew word used here is the same as another house that was built to float on water, Noah's Ark. Moses was in an ark, a floating house, composed of papyrus leaves and woven together and waterproofed with a coat of a tar-like substance. Another detail that is that the adopted son of the princess required a princeless edu princely education. Pharaoh's daughter names the baby Moses. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. They were unsurpassed as a civilization for the knowledge that they had and transmitted. It would have been an education that was designed to fit Moses for high office under the government, if not even the Egyptian throne. This point underscores the author's intent to show that Moses is to have high status, possibly even on par with the Pharaoh. Although God is in the background during this story, the author of Exodus shows us that the purpose of God was very much in the foreground, and that is to prepare, prepare Moses for the leadership of the Hebrews. It is a birth of immense spiritual significance in that it figures Moses as a new Noah. Noah, who had knowledge, wisdom, royal stature, and obedience. A small child was carrying her birth certificate to school one day. But she lost it. When she arrived, she cried to the teacher, I've lost my excuse for being born. Moses is to become the leader of the Hebrews. What was God's excuse or what was God's purpose and explanation for the birth of Moses? With the arrival of the baby Moses, the objective of the Pharaoh to exterminate the Hebrews is a failure. God's plan has succeeded. So this story stands as a testimony to the faith that despite all of Israel's troubles, God always, always has the initiative and a plan. The people of Israel longed for one to deliver them from affliction and troubles. It yearned for a redeemer and savior. And such a savior appeared in the form of the adult, Moses, who led the e Hebrews out of Egypt. His birth does not hold great significance without fully understanding the fullness of his later leadership capabilities 
and accomplishments. They were happened on the Exodus. We know about the Exodus. It's not a spoiler alert. Most of us have known about the Exodus since our days in Sunday school. We've known about Moses, born in the basket. We've heard about the parting of the Red Sea, the pillars of fire and clouds, receiving the Ten Commandments. We've heard about the golden calf and God's anger, the manna from heaven, and wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. This journey was important for the formation of a people, a formation of a nation, and the formation of a spiritual community to be known as the children of God. It was on the Exodus that we are given rise to those biblical concepts we know and hear about so often. Redemption, salvation, deliverance, signs and wonders. They all happened on the Exodus. The Exodus gave substance to the Israelite conception of election. God's choice of Israel to be God's own kingdom of priests and a holy nation arose primarily as God's act in delivering the Israelites from Egypt. It was an unmerited act of grace solely by God. The people were asked to respond with acts of fidelity and love. And we know that things did not always go according to plan. There were grumblings. There were acts of faithless infidelity to God such as the making of the golden calf. There were other sins and human betrayal. Yet God never abandoned them. The grace of God and the people's response in this type of relationship appears to be what we know as God's steadfast love. God's steadfast love endures forever. It is a refrain found many places in the Bible, particularly in Psalm 136, used in today's call to worship. It is not a frivolous ditty spoken casually, but it springs from the lips of the believer in profound recognition of God's love, in profound recognition of the great things that God has done in relieving people from oppression and humiliation. It is also, when we bring it to our lips, it becomes a confession of faith. It is a profound recognition that the power of God's acts to save and to live to deliver the weak and the oppressed is foremost in the work of our Creator.
So the Exodus, led by Moses, the great deliverer, could be called a journey into grace or a journey under grace but a journey of becoming the people of God who were redeemed from slavery to live under the unmerited love of God. The birth of the baby Moses proved instrumental in God's plan for restoration and salvation. It seems I have heard that story somewhat before in the Christian scriptures a profound story of a birth, the coming of a redeemer and savior. Moses has been called the first deliverer, but Jesus is the last. In Jesus Christ, God provides grace, that redeeming action by which sin is forgiven and power broken. Those who believe in him are upheld by God's steadfast love and strengthened in their Christian life. That is the meaning we can see in the Lord's Supper. We can see this as a reminder that we do not live from our own strength. God gives us food on our journey of grace. God nourishes us and gives new life over and over again. The Lord's Supper also means that we have already been fed, we have already been nourished, we have been given new life over and over again. So while we might forget some birthdays, let us remember that taking the bread and the cup, we show the enduring love of our Lord. We show and see God's grace. And remember that God's steadfast love endures forever. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, enter us. May your words become flesh as you continue to dwell among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Having heard the word read and proclaimed this day, let us stand and join together in affirming what we believe, using the words of a brief statement of faith. Let us stand and together, let us state what we believe. We trust in God, whom Jesus called Abba, Father. In sovereign love, God created the world good. God acts with justice and mercy to redeem creation. In everlasting love, the God of Abraham and Sarah 
chose a covenant people to bless all families of the earth. Hearing their cry, God delivered the children of Israel from the house of bondage. Loving us still, God makes us heirs with Christ of the covenant. Like a mother who will not forsake her nursing child, like a father who runs to welcome the prodigal home, God is faithful still. Amen. Please remain standing and join me in singing hymn number 543, God Be the Love to Search and Keep Me. displays of divine love are the gifts we have before us. Through these simple gifts of bread and cup, we celebrate how God, who created the cosmos, who created nations and us as individuals, how this God came to earth and lived among us, 
came to set us free from the bonds we have and to lead us into a life of peace. So come. Come, all of you who have been here often. Come, all of you who have not been in a while. Come, all of you who are yearning to know Jesus but have not done so before. For friends, this is not my table. This is not Jack's table. This is not Morrisville Presbyterian Church's table. This is our Lord Jesus Christ's table. And he invites you to come. We gather in prayer. So let us begin with our response of our response of the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you, but also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Holy God, we praise you. Let the heavens be joyful and the earth be glad. We bless you for creating the whole world, for your promises to your people Israel, and for Jesus Christ in whom your fullness dwells. Born of Mary, he shares our life. Eating with sinners, he welcomes us. Guiding his children, he leads us. Visiting the sick, he heals us. Dying on the cross, he saves us. Risen from the dead, he gives us new life. Living with you, he prays for us. With thanksgiving, we take this bread and this cup and proclaim the death and resurrection of our Lord. Receive our sacrifice of praise. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us that this meal may be the communion in the body and blood of our Lord. Make us one with Christ and with all who share this feast. Unite us in faith. Encourage us in hope. Inspire us to love that we may serve as your faithful disciples until we feast at your table in glory. As we are gathered here this day, O God, we also raise up to you members of our congregation and community who are in need of prayer. We remember friends and family who are in need of healing of mind, body, and spirit. We remember those people who have died recently and yet we mourn their deaths. Be with all those who mourn that they might have your comfort and present. We pray, O oh God, this day for a world of peace. For you as the Prince of Peace, we pray your coming so that all peoples might be united under your grace and in your love. We praise you, eternal God, through Christ, your word made flesh, in the holy and life-giving spirit, now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray as Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night that Jesus was arrested, he took bread, blessed it, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Every time you eat of it, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. He poured it. And he said, take this cup. This new, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood. Every time you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. Every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the saving birth, life, and death of our Lord Jesus Christ until he comes again in glory. Beloved Church, today we will be serving communion by intinction. This means that you can come down the center aisle, take our communion vessels that we have here back to your seat. We invite you to eat the bread first and then flip it over and eat the cup so that way you do not spill any of the cup around you. If you need a gluten-free option, we have some here at the center of the table. And if you are unable to approach the center, an elder will come to meet you where you are. Friends, the feast is ready, so come. Servers, come forward.
let us pray. We thank you, O God, that through word and sacrament, you have given us your Son, who is the true bread from heaven and food of eternal life. So strengthen us in your service, that our daily living may show our thanks through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us go out into the world remembering that we have done here, remembering that God's steadfast love endures forever. And may God bless you and keep you, and the Lord be kind and gracious to you, and Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Thank you.